God completely filled me with joy after the Salem trip. And I wanted to bring that down, down to Fresno, and live that through my life at school, because that's mainly where I am. So only God can give you the fullness of joy, because it says, in your presence, only in God's presence. You can, you can have joys of the world, like games or something, something that you like. That can give you joys of the flesh, but that will not fill you up, like the fullness of God, the fullness of joy. But in the next part it says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when I just think of that, I thought of joy because God gave me pleasures forevermore at his right hand. So one thing I want to talk about is the first day of school I had, which was like two weeks ago. So the night before, I was like so pumped up for school. I was like, oh, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to tell people. I'm going to like invite people to youth group. I want to get all my friends saved. I want to I just be a light on the campus. So I was praying. I was reading the word and everything. And when I walk in the doors, boom. It just felt like intimidation hitting me in the face because there's just so many worldly things going around. And I haven't, in the summer, I wasn't around that. I was just around God and stuff. So I had to adapt that and bring that into my school. So the one verse that I'm going to live through for school is Psalm 51:12. It says, restore me to the joy, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So this verse to me is so impacting because it says, Grant me a willing spirit. So I needed a willing spirit to keep going and tell people and show the joy I have of God to them and help them be saved. Because if I don't have a willing spirit, my heart will turn to, my heart will turn to stone and I'll just follow the paths of the world again. And over and over and over. Repetitive. So then that also applies to me, to Romans 12 too, which says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And I just want to finish with saying, I just want to challenge all the people at school. So I just want to challenge you to not follow the paths of the world. Tell about God. It's not an excuse because, so a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm surrounded by worldly things. Oh, this is all around me. I can't follow God. It's, it's impossible. There's too many things around me that are too worldly. No, that's not an excuse because in Romans 1.16, it says I'm not ashamed. So I just want to challenge people to do that because I'm not ashamed, and I want to tell about God to all my all my friends. Okay. Hey guys, how's it going? This is kind of a large topic that I decided to take on here um, in a small amount of time. So if I don't get through it, um, that's all right. But I believe the Lord has a word today for us. He has a word for the youth. He has a word for people who maybe um, have been beaten down by the, the things of this life and they've lost track of the, the way of God, like Daniel said, the way, the way everlasting. And the title of what I'm going to say is, uh, What is my purpose? Why was I created? And um, many people have their outlooks. Many religions have their outlooks on why we're created. You know, Buddhism, they, they say that, you know, you can find the reason why you're created through, you know, deep meditation and through, you know, exploring your consciousness. And, and one day you'll find your, 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 uh, your purpose in life. And then uh, Islam, they say, they say, the more you read the Quran, the more you read, the more you'll know. So just keep reading the Quran and, and you'll find out what your purpose is and stuff. And so um, then the third one is secular worldviews. They, they believe that, you know, uh, there is no purpose. That, every, that there's no purpose in life and that uh, we're all uh, came out of, like, 
you know, biological processes and things like that. And so everybody's trying to find what their purpose is, either through their religion or they say, eh, there's no purpose at all. And um, I'm here to say there is a purpose. Your purpose comes from God. There's a purpose that God created you for. God creates each one of us with a purpose. And I was actually uh, watching this guy. You, know, you guys know who Ben Carson is? Dr. Ben Carson. He's running for president. But I was watching this uh, YouTube video, and he was actually, like, preaching in this church. And he was saying, uh, talking about genomes, how there was this professor who once used to be an atheist. And he started sh- studying these, these genomes, and he saw that, uh, that they, the chromosomes in each genome were uh, comprised of four chromosomes and three chromosomes and four chromosomes and this sequence like that, you know? And he said, wow, that's really strange because each one of those, those chromosomes, each of those patterns makes a, diff- makes a giraffe, makes a man, it makes a, you know, an eagle, you know? And so um, he said, the, the professor said, you know, it's kind of like computer code, you know? Computer code, it's, it's a sequence of ones and zeros, and so he began to say, there, there has to be a God, you know? There has to be a God. And so he, I don't know if he's Christian, but he believes in God. But so let's just establish that. There's a God. There's a creator. And I believe you guys know that because we're in church right now. But, you know, if anybody here doesn't know that there's a God, there's a God, and he has a plan for you. He knows the plans he has for you. And uh, my professor, that, uh, his name was Aaron Martinez. Um, he... He's changed my life in the way he talked about different worldviews and things. That's all intellectual. But anyways, uh, he had this an analogy of secular worldviews like um, atheism and things like that. And he compared it to a puzzle. And he said that it's a, billion, a, a one in a trillion, trillion chance that if you shake up a box of puzzle pieces for long enough, that they'll all fall in the, same, in the, in the exact place that they're supposed to be and it'll make the puzzle. And so he, he says that's kind of what secularistic views or atheistic views, they, they believe that, you know, by chance, we're just here. By chance, we were created. And uh, I don't believe that that's true. That's, um, that's not probable. You know, there is a creator, you know. So there is a creator. There is a God. I had this analogy. My mom didn't really like it, but I'll give it anyways. Uh, there's a, I had this analogy, like, when I, when I create something, like if I was to create Google or something like that, or if I was to create a computer, I want that computer to do something for me. I created it for something, just like us. God creates us for something. If there is a God, there must be demands he has on me. So it begs the question, what is my purpose? Uh, right here it says, uh, I'll go back to the beginning of Genesis. So just open up to Genesis. It's 1, 2, and 3. Those are the, the chapters that I'm going to be in. First, go to one, Genesis one twenty six. All right, Genesis one twenty six says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every living thing that creeps on the earth. So God, he says, Let's make man in our own image. When we have a relationship with someone, do we want them to be like us? We want them to be like us, right? We want them to share traits with us. You know, I can't have a relationship with, uh, you know, a rock. God didn't create that. God created a man and a woman because they're, they're alike. And I'm going somewhere with that, but just the next, the next part. Genesis 2:19. Out of the gro- ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. 
And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. God met with, with Adam. So God meets with Adam. He talks with Adam. The signs of relationship with Adam. He wants to talk with Adam. He, he, he inquires of what Adam wants, you know? And uh, Genesis 3, 8 through 9. And this is talking about the fall, fall of Adam. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And that's another indicator. God, wants, God is inquiring of you. God wants to be with you, you know? And so uh, leads to my last thing, John 3.16. Everybody knows that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Love is a characteristic of relationship or wanting relationship. Love can't be without relationship. And so love, uh, the eternal purpose of God for us is relationship with him. And this is kind of, I know I kind of dragged this out, but this is the, the crux of what I'm saying, is that God wants a relationship with you. The eternal purpose of God for you is relationship with him. And people's, the word says that he created us to worship him. How do we worship him? We worship him with willing hearts. How do we have willing hearts? By being in relationship with him. When I'm in relationship with a woman or I'm in relationship with someone, and the longer I get to know them, the more I want to please them. Same way with God. When you go to God and you, and you build a relationship with him, the longer you're in God, the more you want to please him. The more you want to give worth to them. The more you want to worship them. So the answer that people ask, they say, uh, what's my purpose? What, why did God create us? The reason why God created you is because he wanted to have relationship with you. It talks about how uh, his beloved, my banner over you is love. Love, again, it's a characteristic of relationship. Um, what else? It says, uh, by believing in God, you've been, given the, you've been given the right to become sons of God. You know, what's a son? A son to a father, that's a relationship. Um, I think it leads to my next point. Sin separates us from God, taking away our purpose to be close with him. All through the Bible, it points to Jesus, the Savior, that makes us clean. Uh, John 1, 29 says, uh, John says, Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. And this is what I wanted to explain. This is my third part. Uh, I'm going to explain what the spirit man is. The spirit man. When, we, when Adam sinned, his spirit man died. It's the part in you that has relationship with God. The spirit, it says God is spirit. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. If you want to speak with God, you have to be born again. It's like Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he says, Lord, how does a, how does a man get into heaven? He says, that man has to be born again. And he says, uh, well, how does he do that? How does he go into the womb? And he goes, and he goes uh, you know, um, how, if, I, if I tell you earthly things, how, you, how, how can I tell you heavenly things? You won't understand. And so we have to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? And I think, uh, I'll, I'll just explain. The whole pattern of Jesus coming to the earth is to restore a relationship between God and man. When Jesus comes, he makes you righteous. Because the Holy Spirit, when he comes in, he can't dwell in things that are unrighteous. And so Jesus comes, he dies for you on the cross, he gives you robes of righteousness. He clothes you with, with robes of righteousness, gives you his righteousness. And then the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. And, when the, and it says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. When the Holy Spirit comes to, to, to abode with you, when the Holy Spirit comes to habitate you, the temple of you, he resurrects your spirit man, the part of you that has relationship with God. And so 
It's very important to be born again. That's why Jesus says you can't enter heaven because heaven is spirit. So you got to have a spirit man. And so people say, uh, now I have this spirit man. Why are we kept on earth when we get saved? People ask that. They say, why are we kept on earth? My answer is really simple. To live out the gospel in our lives. Philippians 121, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. People have a really, I'm sorry, I got to just talk on this. People are like, well, it's just me and God. It's just my relationship with God, you know. It's, it's my relationship with God, and, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come and take me up so I can have a relationship with him in heaven. And that, that's a falsity. Paul says, no, no, to die is gain. To live is Christ. Who is Christ? Christ is the servant of all. What did Christ do? Christ came to, to bear a cross. What do we do in our lives? We bear a cross. To live is to live like Christ. So there are two purposes in our life on earth. Our being in relationship with God and living for the gospel. Living as Christ lives. And, uh, you know, that's the crux of it. That's the crux of, of, of our life here. People say, you know, now I'm saved. I don't do it. You have much to do. Servant, you have much to do for me. I have much for you to do. Do you not see that I have much for you? The Lord's saying that. He's saying, he's saying I have a mission for you, just like Daniel. Just like Daniel encountered the joy of God. There's a mission for each one of us. There's a mission to live as Christ lives in the earth. People forget the last words of Jesus. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And for me, you know, I got to get my eyes off myself. I got to get my eyes on other people around me because that's how Christ is. And here's the third question I'm going to conclude with this. Why does God not just come down and save everyone and tell them of the gospel? Why does God need us? You know, why does God need us? And the answer is, God the Father cannot dwell with sin. That's why Jesus said, he says, it's better for me to go and to send the comforter. It's better for me to go. The Holy Spirit is God. God has the power to save men. It says that men are drawn to salvation. By the, if not, men cannot be drawn to salvation unless the Holy Spirit draws them. How, are the, how does the Holy Spirit speak out in the earth? How does the Holy Spirit speak to the people in the world? It's a simple question. The Holy Spirit speaks out through us. I was reading these verses with, uh, where's Robert at? I was reading with, with Robert last night. We had a Bible study, and uh, it said, Lift up your heads, O you ancient, ancient gates. Uh, be lifted up, O you everlasting doors. And I don't know if this is the exact interpretation of that, but I kind of had a side note off of that, is we're gates for the Holy Spirit to walk through. We're gates. Our bodies are gates for the Holy Spirit to speak out in the earth. If you close your gate, how can the Holy Spirit minister those around you? And so even in my, in my life, this is where this all stems out of. It stems out of my life and my desire. and my, What happened to the zealousness for God? The zealousness to see every tribe and tongue confess. Every, the zealousness to see people saved in the earth. The spirit of the evangelist. Where did that go? Because I see that, that Jesus said that, um, you know, I didn't come to, for, the, for the people who are already healed. I came for the sick, you know. I came to see people be healed. I came for them to be delivered. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is pouring out a new, a new anointing upon the earth right now. He's pouring out a new thing. The Holy Spirit says, I do a new thing. I do a new thing. You do not see it, but I do a new thing. Rise up. Rise up. Open your ears to my spirit. My spirit is speaking. 
My spirit is speaking. Will you not obey my spirit? I'm wanting to do something. Do you not hear my voice? Rise up, rise up, for there is much for you. There is much for you to do. There is a cause for you. That was the Lord, but anyways. Um, this is what I really wanted to say is um, for the youth and everybody here. Is that everybody's trying to find a cause. Everybody's trying to find their cause. And, you know, what's my cause? I got to save the seals. I got to save this person, you know. Uh, I got to be in uh, Black Lives Matter. I got to do this. I got to do that, you know. I'm trying to find a cause for my life, you know. And the Holy Spirit of God says, mm, what's that verse? For the, Holy, the anointing is upon you to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing is upon you. There's the greatest, the cause of Christ is the greatest cause that you can have. The cause of Jesus Christ surpasses any cause or any purpose you could find in this earth. Some people, I'm talking to the, to the youth and stuff. The cause of Christ is greater than any cause you can find in this earth. Any job you can do. And people say, well, I don't believe that everybody's supposed to administer the gospel and they're supposed to preach in the pulpit. That's not what I believe. I believe that every single person is supposed to do everything they do unto the glory of God, unto the gospel. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so this is my message to you guys. To live is Christ. Are you going to live for Christ? There's a door that's, that he says that I'm at the door and I'm knocking. Will you let me in? God's speaking right now. He's saying, are you going to rise up? There's much more for you. If you, haven't, if you don't have a relationship, the only way you can, you can preach the gospel and it's full, if you encountered God in a relationship with him, in an intimate relationship, and I don't know where you guys are or anything, but um, there's a cause for you. There's something greater, like Chris was saying in, their, in our Timothy Bible study. He says, when I accepted Jesus Christ, I saw the world from the outside in. I saw from God's eyes. There is something much greater than yourself. There's something much greater. And you will, not, you will not regret following the cause of Christ and preaching the gospel on the earth. And so my conclusion is uh, on this earth, our, our purpose is to be in relationship with God. Like Jesus says, the law and the prophets are fulfilled in these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And so people, they ask the question, well, why am I on this earth? Well, the, the, the answer is, that you are on this earth so that people will see the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the, so you will open your mouth so the Holy Spirit can speak out of you in your workplace, in the places that you're in. Because God desires relationship with every single person. And he does it through the avenue of you. And that's the answer right there. That's the answer. So um, that's what I have to say. Awesome. All right. Hi, guys. I'm back. Uh, I, I'll try not to say exactly what Dominic says because what I have to say is very similar. So apparently God had something to say. So you're going to hear it again. So too bad for you. <laughs> but anyway, so I, uh, this is our first week of school, first couple days of kids. And so the week before school, we have a bunch of teacher trainings and meetings and all this great and fun things to do. Um, and we had uh, the privilege of having a guest speaker with our uh, our music department, um, whose name is Scott Lang, and he does a lot of leadership trainings, and he's specific to band people. And he did uh, a seminar with our uh, each high school 
took like 40 of what they would qualify as leader type students and they stuck them in a room. So that was about 200 kids, 200 high school kids. And he had like two and a half hours with them to do whatever he was going to do. And he did all kinds of crazy things, uh, talked really fast and, and yelled and got quiet and did weird things that no one will ever understand why. Um, but his main three points, and it was about leadership, but it, it struck something in my brain, and it definitely applies to more than just leadership. It, it applies to life, and I think if he's not a Christian, he's, he's a Christian, but he doesn't know it yet um, because I think the things that he said applied so much to uh, the way that we operate. He just used instead of, like, uh, body of Christ, he used band. <laughs> like, so, um, but I, it, I took this, the three points that he made, and so the, the, the first point that he made was, that in, in, well, I'll go backwards. So in, in society, we do basically diff- the opposite of what he was saying. And um, so it, we think the more you give, or the way God works, the more you give, the more you get. And the more you get, the more you should give, um, or the, the more you will, you'll be expected to give. Whereas in society, if you think about it, that's opposite. It's more like the less you give, the more will be given to you. You don't know how to get a job, we'll help you get a job. You can't get a job, we'll give you welfare. You can't get welfare, we'll, we'll make sure your t- kids are taken care of. We'll make it, we make exceptions for the, the people that can't instead of, um, ooh, don't trip over these wires, um, instead of the opposite. And I think that's so true with God. And I've definitely found in my personal experience that that statement of the more that you give in, the more that you will get out and the more that you get out, the more it is expected of you to give. Uh, I mean, this probably the first maybe trigger in your mind goes to finances because giving, giving gives to finances. And that is so true in my life uh, with just me, not only with my, my finances, but also with my dedication to be planted in the place that God has called me to. Many of you know when we were getting out of college, we were looking for jobs, and we determined that we were not going to leave Fresno. Family was in Fresno. Church was in Fresno. We felt very called to this place and this house and these people and these kids. So we determined that we were not going to take jobs outside of Fresno or jobs that would take us and have us move. Um, And our friends and things like that called us crazy, and they got jobs elsewhere and were taking whatever they can get. And I actually turned down two, maybe three jobs. I can't remember exactly the the story, but I, I got offered at least two I can remember for sure, and I said no. And we were prepared to do whatever it take, took, but then we got jobs. But beyond that, now he does things that you don't understand. So I had a I had a job and it was in Fresno. It was great and it was, everything was good. And I was like, oh, this is it's cool. Four years go by, s- settled in, right? Starting to build a music program. I like the kids. Everything's turning around. Then all of a sudden, this job in Clovis opens up, and I'm like. It's five minutes away from my house, but I really love my kids, and I'm building this music program. It's a lot of fun. I like it. Why would I leave? But I couldn't. I, so basically, I, I said, if I don't apply, am I going to think back on this and say, why didn't I? Because there's no guarantee. I'm not like, of course I'm going to get the job. I'm Chris. I'm amazing. Like, that's not me. That's actually the opposite of my personality. I, I don't think highly of myself very often. Um, so, But I said, no, if I don't do it, if I don't at least just put my application in, um, I, I'll look back and, and, and wonder just what if I did, what would have happened? And I was totally okay if they were like, didn't even call me sweet. <laughs> Cause I already got a job. It's a whole different outlook when you already have a job applying for a job. It's great. Um, but anyway, so also when I went into interviews and things like that, cause I did get called, um, I went in with the, I'm just going to be myself. I am who I am. And if you want me, you can have me, but if you don't, I have, a, I'm fine where I'm at. 
So you got to want me, basically, is, is what I went into this job. So it wasn't like I was searching out. It wasn't necessarily, if you know anything about teaching, it's kind of like lateral. You don't really like climb the ladder in teaching. <laughs> it's like you work another year and you go up a, a rung <laughs> or you go to more college and you go up a rung. There has nothing to, I can be the best teacher in the world or the worst teacher in the world and I still get paid the same amount. Don't tell your kids. Um, but it's true. <laughs> anyway, that's a different discussion for later. But so it wasn't like I was looking for, it wasn't the, a better job necessarily on paper. However, I ended up getting the job. I was excited because it was closer to home, blah, blah, blah. Turns out <laughs> that not only was it a pay increase, I was also not driving 30 minutes a day to and from work, but also there was stipends in w written into their like bylaws and all that stuff to pay for band directors to do the things that band directors do that I was already doing, not getting paid for, but now I'm getting paid for to the tune of almost like 15 grand more. But I didn't know. But I... In my heart, something said, you have to at least apply. I believe that was the Holy Spirit telling me, don't be stupid and, and stubborn and stuck in your ways. And just because you, you feel okay where you're at, don't let this door that I have opened for you sitting right in front of your face. Don't not walk in. It's me. Go. So I went. Not really knowing, but hindsight's awesome. The Holy Spirit is awesome. Like, there's so many things like that looking back in my life. When I pour in and I continue to say I'm called to this place, I'm, I'm, I'm planted here, God has called me to these kids and these people in this church, and I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to continue to do what you say. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do all that stuff. He continues to open doors without me even knowing or asking or needing, but he continues to do it because I'm, I believe it's because I've been faithful. And the more I give into my relationship with him, the more he pours out, and the more I then give back into, and the more I then get out. And it's a cycle like that. You cannot sit back and expect it to be done for you. Everything that, I, b I believe everything that God has, th there is a call to action on our part. Even salvation, there is a call to action on our part to accept. Everything that, will be, that we, we can attain in God, I believe there is a call to action in some manner. If, even if it's just believing and saying, right? That's the call to action for salvation. Believe it in heart and, and confess with your mouth. But there has to be a confession, and there has to be a true belief. Um, so, anyway, so that's the one. That's one point one. Number two, he said, "Win-win. Uh, that, that we should live in a win-win world, basically." Um, and again, that is not how we treat most other things. Think about, again, job situations, not teaching, but you climb the ladder, right? It's if that dude loses his job, I might be able to get it. So I'm not rooting for him. If Bobby next to me that's in, you know, we can, we're in the same thing, we're competing for the next job. So I want Bobby to slip up so I look better than Bobby, right? Or, and all, same thing in school. We're always fighting to be varsity. We're always fighting to be class number one, whatever, right? So we're, we're waiting for, for, you know, the other person to not look as good as me so that I can, so I'm not looking out for him or her. Whereas it's not win-win like, I win, you win. It's, it's you're, you're directly responsible for my success, and I am directly responsible for your success. And if you fail, I fail, right? So I believe that's how, as a body of Christ, we should have the mindset. Our successes and our failures are directly related to each other, not just ourselves. We are one body, not individuals. And it, it, I love the—I love—I'm not a scientist. I don't claim to be, but I love— 
learning a little bit about science and, thi- and especially like anatomy and how the body itself, like your physical body works. There's so much intricacy in your body that was designed by the creator, God, that is another example of how he would work. The fact that when my leg gets cut open, it closes. I don't know how. I put a Band-Aid on it. What? No. It just closes. I was bleeding out, and it's no longer there. I can't even, I don't even know it was there. I got a blister the other day, and it's slowly closing up. What? What is that? I mean, new skin? So other parts of my body are flooding to that part of the body to heal that part of the body to make it new so that it can function like it used to or like it's supposed to. And I believe that's what we're supposed to do. It's not like my body was like, no, finger, you're going to just be cut off because <laughs> you're not doing what you're supposed to anymore. You're having a hard time, so you can go ahead down the road, finger. No. And sometimes that's how we do. That, that's how we think. Your problems aren't my problems. I don't have time to get involved in your life. You are messed up beyond repair. I don't even want to hear about it. Please bottle that up and put it somewhere on a shelf and don't open it because it's dangerous, right? I don't want to deal with it. But instead, God is calling us to be... Uh, to be encouragers, to be supporters, to be equippers, to be, uh, to be healers, to be uh, any other word that you can think of that I just ran out of, right? To help each other in time of need, to, to encourage each other in the time of need, to also celebrate with each other in the times of celebration. Sometimes when you have a bad, good day and I have a bad day, your good day turns my bad day to a good day because I had nothing to celebrate, but you do, so I'm hopping on your train bandwagon. Here we go. Go Niners or whatever, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Football. Fresno State. Okay. We never win, but I still like them. Um, <laughs> I, I also think that it's, it has to do not only with the body of Christ, but with salvation itself. I think that uh, our salvation is directly connected to our relationship with God, right? So whether or not, kind of like what Dominic's saying, whether or not we have relationship with, with God is... Um, is is directly connected to whether or not we have salvation. I believe that we we posed the question, and I and I honestly don't know if it's right or wrong or what. But so the question in, in youth, I forget when it was, last week, two weeks ago, was can basically can you lose your salvation? Um. So I believe, and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, that you can totally walk away. If you confess the opposite, if you straight up say, there is no God, I do not believe in Jesus, but yesterday you did, and in your heart now you believe there is nothing, you die and you're not saved. If you have openly rebelled against him by renouncing him, basically. I think I'm, I think I'm fairly solid there. There's a lot of other gray areas, but if that was said, it's pretty black and white to me. You renounced him. So yes, so your, your salvation is directly connected to whether or not you have a relationship with God. It doesn't say that you have a fantastic relationship with God, but you have one. You believe that he is real and you've confessed with your mouth, and it's that. You can't lose that either, right? It's always there. You can always go back to it. Um, just, a, just a thought. So your, your salvation is directly connected to your relationship with God. So that's win-win in two kind of different ways. And the last one, he said, never give up, always, always, uh, or sorry, never give up and never quit. Um, and so 
thinking about this, I, I started thinking, well, never giving up implies that you're doing something. So I'm going to kind of tag along with Dominic here. So we must first realize that we have a purpose beyond our salvation. It, it goes beyond ourselves. And that's literally in my notes. Why are you reading my notes? Right? It goes beyond ourselves. And I'm just going to rattle off a couple of things, like, scripture-wise. So in Matthew 28, we're, we're instructed, like Dominic said, to go and make disciples. In Romans 12, we're, we're told to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, not to conform to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing, renewing of our minds. In Matthew 5, we're told that we are to be a light and to shine uh, before others so that they may give glory to God. And in Acts 1, we're told that we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and that we will be a witness to everyone. It goes through, through you know, uh, Jerusalem and Judea and, and then through all the earth or, earth or whatever. But basically, we'll be a witness to everyone. And then so that scripture really pricked. And, and the, the word witness, what is a witness? The wit- a witness is most often in our we know it as to be used in like court terms, right? You, you witnessed a murder, you witnessed a crime or something like that. So basically it is, um, it is something that proves something to be true or, uh, <coughs> or valid, right? Um, so from the moment that we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that from that moment that we confess and believe, we are now two things. We are now witnesses to God, and we are also filled with the Holy Spirit. So which also means we have power, right? So a witness to how awesome he is, to how merciful he is, to how gracious and kind and, and loving and caring and generous and, and all that stuff, right? Because depending, each one of us have a different story and each, each aspect of God is, is, is revealed in a different way through our story, through how he's touched us um, in the moment of our salvation and in the moments beyond that, just like I shared about how God has worked in my life through, uh, through jobs and things like that. Um, his, his just amazing power and, and like, I don't know the right word to say, but like just awe striking ability to orchestrate things that you could never, ever, ever think about doing is a witness through my life. I could never have orchestrated the things in my life professionally if I would have tried. Um, so, so witness is, is being evidence or proof of something. We are literally living proof of God's existence. Is there a God? Yes. Look at me. Yes. I am the living proof. You are a walking, breathing, living witness to God. Um, God works through people. We are Christ on the earth now. God, yes, can do miraculous things, but I believe most of the time he works through people. And if his people don't move, his, he doesn't move. If his people don't speak, he doesn't speak. If his people don't heal, he's not healing. We are the body, and we, like Dominic was saying, have a purpose. So one last little thought. Our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our friends, our families, our brothers, our mothers, salvation is dependent upon my ability to have a witness that is pure, that is true, and genuine. 
if I don't have a witness that is pure and true and genuine to God, then what are they seeing? How many people have I turned away because I was having a bad day and I was not shining my light, but yet I was still shining my light. It was just a little dim and gray. So they got a weird picture. I don't ever want to be responsible. Like Dominic says, I, I, I don't know when, I can't pinpoint, but I feel this sense of like seriousness about my call on this earth. And sometimes, it, yes, it goes away or, or whatever dims or dies, but I, I, I continually get it re-stirred and reunited and reignited for just the people that I am involved with. Because there might be, I don't know how many people, that I am the only one that they see. My mother and my father and my brother all need Jesus. I work with hundreds of kids on a daily basis that I don't know a whole lot about. I could be the one, right? And I work in a public school, and I have limitations there, but I need to be able to see the opportunities, and I need to make sure that the witness that I'm putting out there is a true and genuine witness. So I need to make sure that I renew my mind. I need to make sure that I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, if I'm not holy and acceptable, I'm not going to be a very good witness. I need to make sure that <laughs> I really need water, by the way, <laughs> that I understand that I have the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon me. So when I feel like I don't have the ability or I, I'm not equipped to do this, sometimes we think we need to save the world. But I'm just me. Like I said, I don't often think highly of myself. I'm often my, my biggest critic. I often look at things and, and think, how, how, how am I? Honestly, I'm standing here now speaking to you. And if I would have looked at my 18-year-old self when I met with Pastor Anthony after I said, I want to date your daughter. And then I said, I also want to work with your youth. And he said, okay, you're going to be our youth leader soon. And I said, okay. And I would, then I went, how, how? I don't even like speaking to people. I don't even really like speaking one-on-one to people. Thanks. Um, right? So me looking here, this would have not been in my brain. But by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me, he equips me for everything that he has set in front of me. So if I know that I am following the will of God and I am stepping on his path and his plan for my life, I know that no matter what is asked of me, it is asked of me of God if I'm in his will. And I know that when I step into that assignment or I step into whatever that is, I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside me to make up the, the spots and the things inside me that lack, and he will fill them, and I will be able to do exactly what he's called me to do. And I have the confidence in that because of the scripture that we just read. So we have a purpose, like Dominic said, and we should do it with joy because it's the love and the joy of God in the gospel that will save people through our witness. Not necessarily anything we say, just living our lives will touch people that you will meet eventually that you would have been like, say what <laughs> what do you mean you was looking at me when I wasn't even looking at you how dare you <laughs> right <laughs> I walk on a campus where 15 14 1400 students go when I walk out those doors at lunchtime and I walk to the other side of the campus I don't know how many eyes are seeing me 
right? So when you walk through your job, when you walk through Target, when you th- walk through the mall, when you go sit in a movie theater, when you go whatever, you don't know how many eyes are on you looking at whatever you're doing and the way you're carrying yourself and the way you interact with uh, a cashier or whatever. The, just the smallest, minutest little interactions we have with people might touch them in such an enormous way because it was a small little rally at a high school that w- I was invited to offhand by a friend of mine that got me saved and I met Jesus. That was probably not even their plan. It was, hey, dude, you want to come to this thing? Sure, whatever. I didn't really know what I was going to. Little did I know.